wherever you may be. Welcome inside the Hawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alfstead, and featuring Seahawks sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers. Hello again, Seahawks fans. Welcome into the Hawks Playbook Podcast, episode 33. And I am your host, Bill Alpstead, and I am here, as always, with sports writer and editor extraordinaire, Keith Myers. Good morning, Keith. Good morning, Bill. How was that the, uh, for a setup? That was a great setup. You're getting, <laughs> you're, you're getting good at these intros. <laughs> it's kind of fun to pretend you're on the radio for about 10 seconds. Well, we're not on the radio, but we are on a podcast, so. That's true. Uh, yeah. Episode 33. It's uh, it's been a fun half year, or a little bit more than that now at this point. So, we had a bye week last week. Seahawks took a week off. Uh, we entered the bye week three and two after a um, after a couple wins in a row. Um, how are you feeling about the team in the bye week? Just as a general thought process that you've gone through. Uh, I just hope they they're they're starting to get healthy. I mean, they got some key guys that are hurt: Michael Bennett, Cliff Averill. Um, you know, Doug Baldwin, so a lot of some key guys that are, that have been banged up. And so hopefully they'll start to get a little healthy. I agree. And it wouldn't surprise me too, if uh, Russell Wilson was a little banged up, you know, stuff like that goes unreported by that guy, but man, he's taken his fair share of hits in the first five weeks. Well, have you noticed that his ankles have been taped up for the last week and a half? I did notice that he came in, was it at halftime of the... Titans game? No. Which game was it? Maybe it was the game before the Rams, right? It was It was the Indy game, Indianapolis. Yeah, Indianapolis, right, where he had those taped up. Yeah. And Good. I didn't see I didn't see when that changed. I just noticed in the second half. I'm like, wait, his ankles are taped, and they yeah. weren't at the beginning of the game. And so. I don't think that makes any difference to um, to his speed or agility. So I, I to me, it's a no-brainer. You just tape them up. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, in the news, um, while we were gone, Seahawks have been kind of in the market to fortify their offensive line. Do you want to talk about that a little bit, Keith, and kind of bring us up to date? So, there's, you know, at first we heard uh, they were trying to trade for Houston's Dwayne Brown, who still has not reported because of his contract holdout. Um, Then we heard that they were interested in Brandon Albert who's a free agent, who's retired. I heard they extended an offer to Brandon Albert, and he kind of left the building. He did. He left the building and was supposed to go to uh, New York, the Giants, or whatever, but never made it there. And according to Bob Condotta of the Seattle Times, he is still in town now. It's been a week. Um, so as he much must as like, he probably uh, likes seafood. Starbucks and the weather's yeah. been good, I don't <laughs> think that him being in town has uh, is unrelated to the Seahawks. Uh, so we don't know about that, but even amongst those reports, there are, are new reports coming out about them pursuing Dwayne Brown a little more heavily, and also that they acquired about Cordy Glenn, the left tackle of the Buffalo Bills, which is a new name uh, to the list. But clearly, they are going after uh, a franchise, you know, left tackles. These aren't right. band aids that you're sticking to. 
Older guys. Um, guys have been in the league a little while. Now, talk to me about Gordy Glenn a little bit. That's probably the one that I've heard least about. It seems to me that the, um, <clears throat> you know, it's the Buffalo Bills, but the Buffalo, I think, if I'm just memory right at this moment, I think they're like three and three this year. So they're not terrible, but they're in a competitive conference, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. Would they even consider letting Gordy Glenn go? That's, uh, I think the time to trade for Glenn would have been in the preseason when expectations were really low. They traded away Sammy Watkins. They let uh, Robert Woods go. You know, I mean, they, they basically gave, um, it looked like they were giving up on the season. And so that would have been the time to, but now that they're three and three and the Patriots look mortal and, you know, no one really expects the Jets or Dolphins to hang in in this thing. I have a hard time believing that the Bills will let go of uh, their left tackle. I, I do too. So what are your thoughts on Dwayne Brown? You said it was heating up a little bit. You, you've got any more information past, say, yesterday? No, uh, I don't. Although he, Dwayne Brown is supposed to report um, a week from yesterday. So on Monday, he said that basically it's the, that's when, when if he doesn't have a new deal, he'll report then to make sure that he gets his year of service time that counts and uh, move closer to the end of his contract. So I think the Seahawks have a week. They have until he reports to Houston to get this done because um, once he reports and it starts, you know, getting integrated into their offense, I think that those chances are done. So there's kind of a deadline there. So a couple thoughts. I mean, sometimes the best deals are the deals that don't get done. Sometimes that happens. You know, we've seen it happen in sports franchises all over the place. In particular, we live in the Northwest, so I kind of follow the Blazers a little bit on the basketball side and the Seahawks. The Blazers have made some horrendous offers to players, I think, and and have been saved by the fact that they've decided not to come and, and take them up on the, on the deals. L- let me ask you about Brandon Albert and Dwayne Brown. Both those guys are 32 Brandon Albert's been, uh, you know, self-imposed retirement this last offseason. Decided he thought he might want to come back. Came back to the the Jaguars. Decided to uh, forego that. Got and didn't really give it his all. Got cut. He's been out there for a while. Who knows what his mindset is like? Dwayne Brown, uh, conversely, uh, still a great player, but holding out on a on a contract he is under contract so it's kind of a disgruntled employee kind of a situation with Dwayne Brown um would you feel good about either one of those players and and how long would it take him to really integrate into the system what would it mean you know for our offensive line okay so i would feel good about either one of them because both of them are franchise left tackles 32 is not young but it's not old for an offensive lineman as long as there's not like some extensive injury history which there isn't um with albert i think his situation was more of one where he has kind of been um bounced around a little bit and treated not well by a few teams and is looking basically was just saying he was done, but he's not done. I mean, the reason why he's trying to come back isn't financial. It's now that he's been away from the league a little bit, he wants to come back and play football. And I feel good about that. Um, And 
these guys are both can play. You take the what is the, the weakest position on Seattle's def- offensive line, and you make it the strongest by acquiring either one of them. Um, you know, Albert played in Jacksonville, which ran the same scheme uh, as far as the running game goes. When uh, at least when Gus Bradley was there. And Dwayne Brown plays in Houston, which, again, is another zone blocking team. So they'll be able to come in and integrate into Seattle's offense really quick once they get up it, up to speed in terms of football shape and, and game shape and that kind of stuff. So it will be, you know, probably a week to two weeks before we see them at their full potential. But even out of shape, they'll be better than Reese Odiambo, which is okay. who the Seahawks <clears throat> running out there right now. So fair enough. You've You've pointed the uh the arrow towards yes they can play and yes they are still a viable option let's talk about money let's talk to me a little bit about what it would take uh and how it might reshape the team for each one of those choices well they're both um they're both uh guys that aren't going to come particularly cheap i think brandon albert will come a little cheaper just because he's a free agent and he's out there and he wants to play. Um, whereas Allen is currently unhappy with his contract, so bringing him in likely involves a, a new deal or at least a handshake agreement that after the season he'll get a new deal. And so there's gonna it's going to require some work to make that happen <clears throat> for both of them. And so looking at the Seahawks, so they currently sit with about $2 million in cap space. It's $1.8. That's not enough to, to bring in either of these guys. Um, and so it just isn't a, a situation where they can just acquire the player, bring him in, stick him on the roster, and be, and be good. Um, so it, it makes it hard. You've got to find ways to move um, – some money around and, and, and possibly uh, trade away a player or, or well, cut a player or, or in, cut in a Dwayne player. Brown's uh, case. Yeah. So you are going to have to find a, well, I mean, you can drop Seahawks have guys like um, Isaiah battle sitting there that they could drop a player and, and not lose any sleepover, but they are still looking at a situation where they have to, um, they have to figure out a way to how to move money around in order well, to make got this to, work. Yeah, they've got to either move a significant contract like Jeremy Lane or uh, Jimmy Graham, mm-hmm. uh, and then really don't have to make any other moves besides that. Uh, maybe in Lane's case, they need to possibly generate a, a little bit more cap space. The uh, Brennan and Albert, they don't really have to give up any cap space. I don't think at all. Maybe they, maybe they do. Maybe you're right. I don't. For C. Brandon Albert, I don't think the Seahawks would be serious enough to sign Brandon Albert for $2 million a, a year. I really don't. I think that Brandon Albert's going to come in, if he plays for the Seahawks, it's going to be for you know, the remainder of the year under contract at, say, 1.5 to 1.8, and that's prorated, and so they're, they're not looking at paying him any more than a million bucks, I don't think, if he plays yeah. for Seattle. See, I think it's going to be more than that. I think it's like the contract number is going to be probably two and a half million. That's just too much, and, Keith. And then, but then you prorate a third of that away because they've already played five games. I just don't feel good so, about it. I'd rather go for Dwayne Brown 
at that point. But then again, Dwayne Brown is really reshaping your your team because I think you do have to trade away a Jeremy Lane or even a a Graham plus draft pick uh, capital. Mm -hmm. I think you're going to have to give away probably like a third. I mean, it's going to be a late third for Seattle or a fourth plus a player to generate that cap space. Plus you're spending all that money. And Dwayne, you're going to only have Dwayne Brown for a couple of years. Yeah, you'll have Dwayne Brown for this year and next year. Um, his Dwayne Brown's uh, cap number this year is uh, for C- if Seattle were to grab him would be uh, nine million, and next year it's nine point seven. So there's a lot of money to be spent uh, trying, you know, for right. that player. For and a Jimmy year and Graham a half. right now is making eight, and he's off out of contract next year. So I mean, we could conceivably just trade those players basically trade out their contracts uh what i would what i would expect more is you're going to see i mean jeremy lane's a good option if if um houston would take him which i think they will because you know he's a decent player uh and so the seahawks could unload that contract at four million and make up some room and then you take doug baldwin's contract you and you just move money around in it you shift uh the remainder of his base salary this year to signing bonus and basically, you push the. What did what did he have done year. earlier to get Sheldon Richardson? Uh, you, they did about half of it, so they could do it again. I mean, you can also do it with Russell Wilson's contract uh, or Richard Sherman's contract. There are other <laughs> players where you can move. So how much uh, how much does around. this bother you in general? Because the Seahawks didn't solve this problem up front. Well, I'm annoyed that uh, one of the things. Um, watching games this weekend, I was watching Oakland play San Diego, and the thing that stood out in that game was just how good Russell Okung is playing. And the CX had him in town. You know, they could have franchised him, they could have kept him, they could have offered him, you know, slightly more than Denver did when when he left for, to go do to you, Denver. Do you think they, they were not brought happy? Brought him back a year ago. Do you think and, they were not happy with the fact that he was injured so much for Seattle and the false starts and all that stuff? I mean, I don't know what goes on beyond beyond uh, you know what's on the field that you can see. Was he was he good in the locker room? Was he good everywhere else? I mean, I don't know. You're right. We had him. He's a good player. Yeah, we should have kept good. him. Yes. And they chose not to. And now they're scrambling because they've had basically garbage in that right. spot since he left. And, right. and they did the they, same thing with Sweezy. You know, Sweezy wasn't corner. the same caliber player as Okung, but he was a serviceable guard mm-hmm. that we could have had on a renewable contract. And I, they've made a decision as a franchise to not pay their linemen. Or they have, that's not true. Or they have linemen that they just don't think are worth paying. Well, that's part of it. Part of it is, I mean, they look at and they think, okay, so Sweezy is is serviceable, but they're not going to be able to re-sign him for the six million a year that he got from Tampa. Like that, they they don't want to pay that for serviceable. But Okung sir, play, uh, signed for what was essentially a one year five million dollar contract with nothing guaranteed for a franchise left tackle. You can't. Well, just he wouldn't let have signed. Walk. He wouldn't have signed that in Seattle. Why? I. Because there was obviously more to it than meets the eye. I mean, a guy doesn't yep. walk away from money like like he could have gotten in Seattle for $5 million, no guarantee, in Denver. I mean, that doesn't make any sense, except for it did pay off, but he couldn't have known that at, at the time he signed that deal. So, 
anyway, I just to share my thoughts, I mean, I am frustrated. I'm frustrated the fact that we put ourselves in this position two years in a row, you could argue three years in a row. Here we are going into the middle, what is the middle of the season now, and we have a completely dysfunctional offensive line that's holding the team back for competing for a Super Bowl. And it's putting uh, Russell Wilson in jeopardy of getting hurt on a weekly basis, and we have no run game, and that makes the defense have to work harder because we can't control the ball. And it's, so everything is tied to this offensive line, and here we are, week uh, whatever it is, seven, um, and we're searching for franchise left tackles on the, on the market where the pickings are slim. And so mm-hmm. it's, uh, and, and, and in order to do a deal, especially with a Dwayne Brown deal, we'd have to give up players. We'd have to give up draft picks, uh, for a player that's, uh, that we'd have under contract for a year and a half. I'm, I'm not happy with that. I think that's a terrible position to have the franchise be put in. Oh, I agree. I mean, this, this is not the, not the path that you would choose if you had a choice, but it is the situation that they're in now. And to do nothing, I believe, is worse because you have a defense and a set of weapons and a quarterback that are ready to win the Super Bowl and get a championship right now. And what is holding you back? It's the offensive line. Where's the weakest point of the offensive line? It's at left tackle. There are left tackles available. Go get one. Do what yeah. you got to do. What are the chances, the, Keith, the of, of having him stay put and do nothing? I think higher than any of us would want to admit just because they're stubborn and they're not going to move on their, their principles as far as... Right. Um, what they're going to pay and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. So moving on. Um, other news. Uh, well, there were some players, yeah, that were available to come off the off the uh, injured reserve list. Well, not injured reserve. There's um, a player on the pup list and two on the non-football injury list, and they are eligible after the sixth game, not the sixth week. So we have to wait until after this coming week, um, and then they can begin practicing and or be activated to the roster. So there's there's a two week. They basically they get activated to the roster, but they're given a roster exemption unless um, they're they available can, to come back right now. Yes, and so they, they can they, could. they can they can practice for two weeks and then come back, or they can just come back and play. Um, and so those would be Deshaun Shed, Dion Jordan, and Malik McDowell. Uh, Shed and Jordan are both expected to have the uniform on this time next week and be out there practicing. And, and then the team will make a decision on them, which is part of the reason why Jeremy Lane's name keep what kept, yeah. keeps coming up. Well, I was going to talk uh, to you about what are the implications issue. of shed coming back? I mean, you look at, at uh, Griffin who's played well, Justin Coleman uh, playing in the slot is doing mm-hmm. very well. And then you've got Jeremy Lane who's not playing poorly. Um, but he's had an ankle injury, so he's you know he's not been in there. It's given these other guys opportunity to, to show, and they've shown. Uh, so then you get you throw, throw shed in the mix. Uh, seems like you've got one extra guy now. Yeah, I think with shed, you you take your time with him and let him get up to speed a little more slowly because you have the option to do that. And one of the things when you bring in these guys mid season who haven't been uh, who've been on the pup list or or coming back from injured reserve, they tend to re-injure because they try and get up to speed too quickly. They don't have that training camp to get them up there. So I think they can bring Shed along slowly at over three or four weeks and then 
get him out there and slowly increase his playing time. That's right. That sounds about right, Keith. And and I think they'll do that because they have other talent that are around there. Uh, Deion Jordan, to me, is a different one because he's a complete unknown. Yeah. Because he is a guy they brought in with the expectation that he would provide, you know, all of that superb athleticism that he showed in college and never turned into production uh, in Miami. But then he never got a chance to practice with the team in training camp. And so then it becomes how, how, how quickly can they make an evaluation on whether or not he is a part of this roster or not? There's a good chance that when he gets his clean bill of health that he, they just cut him. Yeah. Which is which right. Exactly. Right. So how about, and and Malik (laughs) McDowell, we, we believe well we still believe we don't, believe what we know what we know or what we don't know i mean uh he could be back in in a few weeks time or he could spend the rest of the year uh away from the team and uh, see what we've got next year what do you think yeah the one thing we really know about mcdowell is that we don't know much um and he is a guy who they pete carroll finally came out a little over a week ago and said what was really going on it was, it was a very severe concussion uh, and you know, they're looking at it long term, but he also said that they still believe he can play this year. And he's been in Seattle, there's been he's in street clothes because he can't, uh, you know, practice or anything, but he's there at practice, he's watching, he's learning, he's being a part of things, which leads me to believe that that they're you know starting to make sure that he's getting the mental side of the game down so that way when he can pass a physical and get out there, whether that's next week or a month after that or two months after that, that they can actually get him on the field and play and, and uh, have another, you know, body out there down the stretch. So let's get to our featured segment this week. We're going to have a little bit of fun because we didn't have a game. And so we're not going to do kind of our, our typical show, which we've got all sorts of game review stuff. Um, You want to talk about how we're going to do our, our little fun segment here. So, okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to go through a bunch of different categories, and we're going to talk about our biggest surprise and our biggest disappointment. We've got um, some Seahawk players, and, uh, it, you know, based on position group, we'll do overall within, you know, like which games and that kind of stuff. So we're, we'll just kind of rapid fire this a little bit and maybe yeah. discuss it, but yeah. not not in too much detail. So uh, biggest surprise, biggest disappointment. Let's start with our offensive weapons. Offensive weapons. So... Running Guy, back, guys tight with end, skills, wide receiver. Yeah. So I'll start. Uh, biggest surprise, offensive weapons. Um, I've got two players written down. Um, one of one of them's injured and out for the year, and so I'm not going to count him completely. Chris Carson, I thought was the biggest surprise of the year so far, uh, up until he got injured because he came into camp as an unknown, seventh round draft pick, and here's this guy that ended up being the best back by a mile out of camp and uh, started showing it in the games. Our, our our run game really never got going this year completely, but when he had the ball, it just looked like he was going to be a force. Um, so I had Chris Carson. And the guy that's still on the team that uh, is surprised for me um, is, is J.D. McKissick. Um, really shown when he's had his opportunities that he can be a dynamic player, both running the ball and, and catching the ball out of the backfield. No, that's a good answer. Um, so my biggest surprise, I was leaning McKissick for that reason, uh, but I actually went with uh, Paul Richardson, 
who has been kind of this guy that everyone kind of discounts and he's little and he's not doing much, but he's been very productive in every game uh, as, at receiver for the Seahawks. And he's really stepped up and owned that uh, that spot where basically he's taking the, the snaps that used to go to Jermaine Curse and he's doing much more with them than what Curse ever did. And he stayed healthy, which is the key for Richardson. It's always been the key for him. We always knew that he could make plays. He caught the he's every time he's had a chance to catch balls, he's he's made some really nice catches. Um so staying healthy has been the key for him and he's been able to do that so far this year. So that's a that's a great choice. How about disappointment, Keith? What do you got? Um my biggest disappointment would be Thomas Rawls. Oh, he he yeah. is a guy. I mean you look at his rookie season, and he led the entire NFL in yards per carry and just looked like the Seahawks had found a special player. And he's been there. He's been healthy this year. He's been a healthy scratch in some games. And when he does get out there, he just he just doesn't look like the same guy. He doesn't have yeah. that quickness. He doesn't have the power. He looks indecisive. He just has not been the same player he was a couple of years ago. Boy, it sounds like you could say that exact same uh, string of words for Eddie Lacy too. You know, we didn't know, and that's not my player, but I'll just say uh, we had those expectations for Lacy, but we really didn't know what we had when we got him, so you can't really say it was a complete disappointment. But it's a disappointment, nonetheless, that he hasn't shown better. The, the, I wrote down two players again. <laughs> Because one of them, so one indecisive. Of, one of them's the same player that I had for my biggest surprise, Chris Carson. This is my biggest disappointment because he's out with injury and he's not going to be able to finish the year. And oh man, he was looking so promising. But the the player that I had down that's still on the roster and still available to play some of the time is CJ Procise. Um, CJ Procise is again one of those guys that has an incredible potential but can never stay healthy to, to show it on the field. And, it, and when he does come, it's, it's sporadic now because he's been injured. He hasn't been able to practice with the team. So you've seen him drop a couple of balls or miss some opportunities. So that's, uh, that's my biggest disappointment. See, it's not who I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say Tanner McAvoy because you were on the Tanner McAvoy train. I was on the Tanner. Off yeah, you're right. And all Keith. he's done since you know this year is dropped passes and, and made mistakes, run interceptions, and, yeah. and looked very difficult. Yeah, I I hear you. You know, I was on that train because I thought last year he showed enough to where if he had incremental improvement this year, we might actually have something going into the future. But he's he's regressed, and I don't I don't understand that. So you know, and it's funny, Keith. When when we did this exercise, when I did this exercise independently of you, I was um, I was disappointed a lot <laughs> because there are s several players that you could fit into almost every one of these categories that we've come up with, and and or position groups or games or whatever. And we'll go through the list and we'll talk about that a little bit. But um, there's, I think there's a little bit more disappointment than there is biggest surprises overall, which is kind of sucky for me because I'm a kind of an optimist kind of a guy. Well, so, let's move on to offensive line. Yeah. Um, who is your, your biggest disappointment on the offensive line? Oh, we're going to start in the opposite. Okay. Uh, my biggest disappointment has got to be Lewinsky. Here's the guy that started the last couple of years. They've moved him around a little bit. In fact, this year they thought they were doing him a favor, moving him over to the right guard's position where he uh, kind of grew up at, at, in that position in college. Um, and all he's done is uh, not be able to own the, own the spot and uh, lost his starting spot. 
and uh, my biggest disappointment. You could you could say Posick, but I don't think that would be fair to Posick. I mean, he's a rookie. You had expectations that he might come in and, and play, and he just hasn't had the opportunity yet. So it's got to be Glowinski for me. Yeah, see, with Posick, I thought about him, but just because you're a second round pick and you can't get on the field when your offensive line is terrible. Right. But the team did him no favors by having him play in four different positions in camp. Yeah. Yep. You're asking him, you're asking him to learn four different positions rather than pick one and let him learn, excel, prepare, get ready and get on the field. And that's what they should have done. But well, that's, so that's not really his fault. Um, my, my biggest disappointment would definitely be, uh, Reese Odiambo. I know that he is, you look at him and you go, okay, well, he was expected to be kind of the backup and the swing tackle and whatever, but he was still a third-round pick a year ago. So yeah. he's been on the roster learning everything for a year and a half. He was a third-round pick. And we've been uh, told out of camp that he was he was starter material. Yeah, and, and not only that, but he, like, when the team drafted him, they said, oh, well, he would have been drafted way higher except for his injury, um, his, his senior year in college. So... You know they they've they've built him up and you know to be this guy that could step in and and be good and he has genuinely looked like a guy that does not belong in an NFL uniform like not even as a backup I mean he has just been very very disappointing so there's my disappointment yeah. well there you go we've got three guys to choose from on the offensive line and we could probably add another one um, how about uh, biggest surprise Keith. So my biggest surprise has actually been uh, Jermaine Effetti at right tackle. You he, and you and I are in agreement. See, okay, good. Because the thing is, has he been good? No, he hasn't. Has he been absolutely unbearably terrible <laughs> like he was last year? No, he also hasn't. So he has actually improved from being arguably the worst guard in the NFL last year to being serviceable right tackle serviceable he's not average he's below average but he's serviceable he's probably been the second well maybe the second or third best offensive lineman on seattle's line which i know that's a very low bar to clear but yeah you gotta go uh, brett jokel then a fatty i think yeah uh, jokel's had his moments um both up and down but yeah uh but yeah but he's been he he's in that conversation you know with jokel as the second best offensive lineman which is much better than we expected. We expected him to be down there with Riso Diambo as just, you know, worthless and, you know, a guy yeah. they're looking to replace. And he hasn't been that. He's been okay. So I'm, I, he was, that's definitely a surprise for me. Yeah. You said everything that I was going to say on that one. So I'll let that, I'll let that one stand. How about defensive line, Keith? Give me your surprise and then disappointment. My surprise and disappointment. Um, my surprise has been, um, well, my brain just like skipped out there for a second. Uh, <laughs> my surprise has actually been Frank Clark, and I had high expectations for him coming in, and he has exceeded them uh, by a mile. I mean, he has been dominant. He has been just that guy that everyone can depend on and probably our best pass rusher this year, which says a lot given the other pass rushing talent that they have. Uh, my biggest disappointment would actually be Cliff Averill. And this was before the injury. And I know the, the injury is very unfortunate and I hope he, you know, gets healthy and, and gets a chance to come back, but he just didn't seem to have the same speed this year that he has in the past and just wasn't getting around the corner into the quarterback 
like he used to. And I was, you know, we were starting to get concerned that maybe he's kind of reaching the end uh, for him. And so, but before the injury even. So he definitely would be my, my biggest disappointment there. Um, for me, I had two on the surprise side. Uh, Naz Jones, uh, guys uh, come in as a, as a draft pick this year. So low expectations and has really carved his spot out uh, on the defensive line as a kind of a run-stopping guy that can shove that pocket back just a little bit and cause some disruption. He gets his hands up a lot, um, so the passing lanes are disrupted a little bit. Um, definitely been a steady contributor and a guy that it looks like could be there for, for a long time, so I like that pick. The other one I had as a surprise is Richardson, Sheldon Richardson. We didn't know he was going to be on the team. He came in. Uh, he's really added quite a bit to that to that line i am without richardson on that line uh the, the line itself is underperforming as a whole anyway and without richardson there i'm not sure that we would be in some of the games that we're in uh on the disappointment side uh i agree with you cliff averill um and that was prior to the injury like you said i just didn't feel like he was contributing uh and disrupting in the manner that he had in prior years with us. And it, it really did look like age was, was starting to knock on his door. And then the injury, um, it doesn't sound good for, for, uh, Cliff Averill. He's got a neck stinger and it's, it makes me wonder Keith, if he didn't have something, uh, before, uh, with his spine or neck and kind of made a statement like, well, if I, if it happens again, or if I get that injury up there, I, it could be done. And so, um, because, I think uh, Pete Carroll right away was hinting at the fact that this could be kind of a career-threatening sort of a deal without really understanding the uh, multiple uh, doctor's appointments that Cliff is is undertaking. So that statement was before he had the doctor's state, uh, appointments. So um, not sure what's going to happen with Cliff, and I, we may not see Cliff again in the Seahawks uniform. Agreed. So let's okay, let's move on to uh, linebacker. Bill, go ahead and give me your. Biggest surprise and your biggest disappointment. I, uh, to be completely honest, I, I thought about this for a long time on the biggest surprise, and I have none. I do not have any surprises on the linebackers. Um, everyone, nobody's playing beyond my expectations, um, so, so that's that. And then on the, on the uh, disappointment side, I have KJ Wright, to be completely honest. Um, I was going to write the new guys down, Will Hoyt or, you know, the other guy. And I was like, yeah, those guys are supposed to be backup guys. The guys that are supposed to fill in and round out that position group. KJ Wright um, hasn't been setting the edge on the, on the, on the corner on, on rundowns against the run and, and uh, has been out of position a few times and allowed long runs. When we take a look at explosive plays against the Seahawks, We've allowed a ton this year. In fact, I think against that Rams game, we had several um, explosive Ten. run plays, and we only had one or two on our own, you know. And so, and, and yet we still won that game. But uh, and then you looked at the uh, the Tennessee game um, where they had a long run around the around the corner, and KJ was out there getting getting blocked out of the play. So that would be mine. No, that's a good one. Um, so I looked at that, and then there there are four linebackers that have gotten extensive playing time. KJ definitely, I think, has been disappointing. But I went with Will Hoyt just because he was kind of billed as 
this veteran guy that would come in, play Sam linebacker, and provide you know that veteran stability that they didn't have last year. And he has been a major liability when he's in there. Uh, and so he kind of was my guy, just because he was built up to be the answer, and he hasn't been. Um, and then at, for a surprise, the only thing left for me was really to go with Terrence Garvin, who played really well when he has gotten out there, but because of an injury... He just hasn't gotten the playing time. Uh, he's only he's you now he's playing nine or ten snaps a game, yeah. and they pull Will Hoyt out. But he hasn't been able to unseat Will Hoyt and just earn all of the snaps there, which is kind of disappointing. Which is you know I'm saying it's disappointing, but he's still my surprise. <laughs> tell you a little something right. about how the linebackers that's, that's have right. played so far. That's this right, year. and there's kind of a general theme that runs through the whole thing that we're doing when, when mm-hmm. we talk about this because we are three and two and, and you can argue, well, that's kind of where we're supposed to be, especially if we win the next game and so forth. But it, you still feel like the team is underperforming in multiple different areas. And that's, and, and linebacker would be one of those. How about defensive back Keith? Now this is an area that to me is probably one of the better defensive uh, position. Well, the better position groups in the entire team. You, you miss you, you you mispronounced NFL. I did. You said team there. Yes. Sorry. You said one of the better <laughs> position groups on the team. No, no, no. Better one of the better position groups in the NFL. Uh, and in fact, this is one of those things where you can look and go. Just as as all the linebackers seemed kind of disappointing, all of the defensive backs for the most part have been on the surprising side. Just to see Earl Thomas playing what might be his best year as a pro. After coming that devastating that, injury, yeah. Yeah, coming off that injury last year is a surprise. I mean, he has just been lights out good. Um, Shaq Griffin being able to step up and, and and play as well as he has as a rookie has been a huge surprise. To see Coleman, who they you know basically got from the Patriots for a throw-in seventh-round draft pick, be a significant contributor is, is incredible. Um, so there's a lot of different guys that can go into that surprise category. Um, having to pick one of all of those, I went with um, with Griffin just because he's a guy that's been now who with when once Lane got hurt has been being given uh, starters minutes and starter snaps and has been very good. I mean, he, the first couple of games were a little, little rough as he adapted, but since then he's been <clears> great. <throat> uh, my biggest disappointment, I guess, would be Cam Chancellor. Uh, and the thing is about that is that doesn't mean he's been bad. Um, he just hasn't been, you know, 2014, 2013, those year camp chancellor where he was just the enforcer, the dominant player in the middle. Right. He just hasn't been that same level, but he's still been good. So it's, you know, when you're, when your disappointment is a player who's still played really well, it well, shows you how much that entire and, and when, unit's been good. And when your disappointment has literally played 100% of the snaps for the entire year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's, at a, at a Pro Bowl level. Yeah. He's played a, and he's been playing at a Pro Bowl level. But yet, that's the disappointment. It's still, still not enough for you, Keith. Damn. You're a hard <laughs> well, but, one. But that's what I mean when I say that this is the this may be the best position right. group. Yeah. Of any position group out of any team in the NFL. Well, the that's co- why, because a pro bowler is my disappointment. The cool thing is I've got two different players than you. So my, uh, the, uh, the biggest surprise for me uh, is Justin Coleman uh, because he just came out of nowhere. We traded for him uh, right before the season. 
seventh round pick to the uh, New England Patriots. Uh, he's been an extremely dependable player in the slot for the Seahawks in the in the nickel slot corner position. Um, all he's done is make plays. He even has a uh, return interception for a touchdown. Um, so he's my biggest surprise, but everything you mentioned is spot on with the group. My biggest di- disappointment is Bradley, Bradley McDougald. And the only reason that I put Bradley McDougald on this list is because he just hasn't had a chance to see the field as a safety uh, because of the players in front of him. Um, Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas are playing damn near 100% of all the snaps. And so Bradley McDougald has just not been called upon to play that safety spot. And then we've lucked out with the corner spot, which Bradley could come in and play. He's got experience there um, playing in in the nickel. We've had adequate play there, so he hasn't been uh, been able to see the field as a corner either. So he's he's definitely contributed on special teams, and he looks great doing that. But he, I would like to see him a little bit more because he's got starter. He's been a starter in the league. Uh, he's he's got great numbers when you look at his uh, career, and so <clears throat> that would be my disappointment. But again, you're right; the whole position group has has been awesome. In fact, like like you had mentioned probably in the entire NFL. So let's go back. We, we, you know, we've had the, the five position groups, the, the offensive weapons, the line, the defensive line, linebackers, defensive back. Which of those five overall has been your biggest surprise and your biggest disappointment? That's a good question. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say so what, the offensive weapon surprise for me, uh, um, Carson emerging uh, for me. I think McKissick is is awesome, but Carson is just special, and I think he's going to be our our feature running back in the future for for quite a few years. Um, the biggest disappointment overall for me, I would uh, I would have to say Averill because. I, I I do believe that he's he's on the way down, and it was a big downturn, not just a little turn like Cam Chancellor. It was more of a fall, and now he's injured and career in jeopardy. That's probably my biggest disappointment. And I love Cliff Averill, and, and in fact, one of my favorite players. Um, so that's that's tough. See, when I when I looked at that as as you know the the. The the surprise and, and disappointment there to me just linebackers in general were my disappointment because when you've got KJ Wright and um, Bobby Wagner and whoever is going to be the third guy only has to play you know twenty to thirty percent of the snaps that was the expectation coming in mm-hmm. and you're like okay well this this better be one of the best linebacking cores in the NFL and Bobby Wagner has been great like like uh all pro great but as a whole the linebacking core has been a weakness so to yeah. me that is was was my disappointment um <clears throat> and it comes in it and it almost makes you wonder about the coaching you know it makes you wonder about the uh, defensive coordinator it makes you wonder about the linebackers coach a little bit because this position these two position groups were coming into camp the position groups of strength for our team and we've still got a pretty decent defense don't get me wrong but overall, the defensive line and, and linebacker groups have really cost the Seahawks early in the season. 
Yeah, I think so too. And my biggest surprise would, of course, be the the defensive secondary because I did not expect Earl Thomas to have his best year coming off that injury. I did not expect Justin Coleman to step up and be good or Shaq um, Griffin to be this good this early. Uh, so just, you know, you put all that together and it's not like uh, Sherman's dropped off at all. And Chancellor, even though he was my disappointment of the group, is still playing at a Pro Bowl level. I, I am just surprised that they've been this good, this consistently all year. So they're my they're my biggest surprise. So the next category we've got is uh, the overall um, surprise and disappointment for both single game and position units. Well, we kind of just did the position unit with the last one. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. So let me let me hear your thoughts. Single game, biggest single surprise. Ga- the biggest surprise in the single game to me. Um, was the defensive performance uh, against the Colts, in that, especially in the second half, where they held them to uh, 32 total yards yeah. in, a, in a half. I mean, that's just unheard of. <laughs> You'll love and my he, surprise. And um, so I, I thought that was was just just absolutely like just an amazing performance. So I love that. Um, so what's your biggest surprise? My, my biggest surprise is that we scored 46 points against the Colts. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that too. You know, if you look at every other game, we're not a high scoring offense by any means. And, uh, we scored 46 points against an NFL team. I don't care if it's the Colts. It was, it, it was the surprise of the year so far for me. Well, and notice that neither one of us picked five, uh, turnovers, by um, our defense against the Rams, you know, yeah, just that's over a, a week ago. That's a great performance. I mean, I'm not get, <laughs> I'm not giving anything away as far as being disappointed in anything like that because that's a really the defense have, has been solid in a few different situations, but overall, it's been a little lacking. Mm-hmm. How about disappointment? Single game. So there, man, is so in what game haven't we been, been disappointed? Yeah, right. Uh, I went, I'll tell you mine first. I went with losing the Titans game because I just, after after the first quarter there, I thought, you know what? This Titans game isn't going to be as, as hard as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, our offense is struggling, but it seems like we're containing Mariota and, you know, we've got a chance to win this game. And we just kept giving up plays and giving up yards and eventually we gave up the game. Yeah, the defense just completely fell apart, especially against the run, and the offense never like was able to make up for it. And even though Russell Wilson, Wilson tried his best, the passing yeah. offense got on yeah. track in the second half. They never got the running game together. They and then the the defense just never never responded and never came back. Um, so yeah, for me, it was definitely the the defense in the Titans game that was my uh, biggest disappointment so far this year. Yeah, yeah, and you know Seattle's. Uh starting to put it together a little bit on the, I was going to talk about positional units. I was going to talk about the offense a little bit because Seattle is putting it together a little bit on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, uh, I think we're ninth in the NFL and third down conversions, which was the most surprising stat. When I looked at all the stats, that was the most surprising stat that stood out for me because I would have thought that we would have been like 20th because it just doesn't seem like we're a very efficient offense right now. Um, but ninth in the NFL, 43% third down conversion rate. It's not bad. Yeah, that's that's actually good. Um, so here's a, your, your thought out uh, stats from this year. Here's another one. How about the uh, 
The Seahawks defense is the best in the NFL in holding opponents that are in the red zone to zero points. They're, they're only giving yeah. up points yeah. on just over 20% of their opposing team's red zone possessions. That just goes to show you is, how solid that defensive uh, back unit is. Yeah. It also goes to show you that when they do give up touchdowns, they're long touchdowns. They're not in the red zone. Right. So, <laughs> so let's. Uh, we've got a lot to do still, Keith. Let's move through this pretty quick. How about the rest of the NFL? You've got uh, your surprise uh, NFC team and disappointment for NFC team. So my surprise on the NFC would be the Philadelphia Eagles. They have yeah. the best um, the best record in the NFC and have looked pretty solid doing it. I did not expect their defense to be as good as they are. Um, And my disappointment would be Dallas, who it just has never like (laughs) been, I mean, we just expected their, that running game and that offensive line to, to continue to run over people and they haven't. And the defense just did not get better from last year. So they're struggling. So I also agree with you. I think Philadelphia at five and one is solid looking. We'll talk about them a little bit later in the show. And then, um, I had the I had the Rams in there too at four and two uh, as a yes, kind of a surprise. Um, and they and they look pretty decent doing it too. They're a solid team. When I look at the rest of their schedule, I think they're they could be a nine win team this year. Um, I don't see them winning any more than that. Um, and I see Seattle kind of keeping them at bay a little bit, but solid team nonetheless. A vast improvement uh, from uh, last year. And disappointment, I I went with you as well, and I had another one. Uh, so I had Dallas at two and three disappointment they certainly weren't expecting to be two and three at this point. And then soon to be green Bay Packers Packers are at four and two now, but they're not going to stay that way. Not with Aaron Rodgers hurt. That's so, right. Yeah. How about the well, AFC about the, well, team seems? Yeah. Um, so my surprise, um, in the AFC has been the Jacksonville Jaguars That's funny. who despite having some of the worst quarterback play you'll ever see are still at three and three yeah. because the rest of that <laughs> roster is really good. They remind me of the 2012 Seahawks, yeah. but without Russell Wilson at quarterback. Yeah. Jacksonville you know, if, looks, looks good. I had the New York Jets, Keith. I had the New York Jets at three and three because I thought the Jets would be a complete and utter, you know, what show this year mm-hmm. and at three and three, um, you know, when you have three wins in the first six weeks, you're not a bad team. You're, you're, but you know, their, their schedule is, is not going to be good and they're not going to win this year and they're not going to have a winning record. I don't believe, but nonetheless, a little surprise for me on the, on the other side of that, the AFC that's most disappointing. In fact, a lot of AFC teams are really disappointing this year. If you look at the overall records, one of the most disappointing though has to be the Oakland Raiders at two and four. That's exactly who I had too. I mean, they were twelve and four last year. The expectation was that they were going to be improved as a team, even though their record might not be improved, and they were going to, you know, be a team that could compete for, you know, to make it to the Super Bowl. And they just haven't looked good. They their linebacker play has been bad. Although they did get Navar Bowman uh, this week, so they'll be uh, that'll be better. But their secondary hasn't looked good. Their um, the running game just hasn't gotten together, and uh, Derek Carr has taken a, a major step back this year. So they've just been really disappointing overall. So that was a good little segment. I love that. Uh, that was fun. It, it generates a lot of conversation because, you know, uh, and it kind of leads to our next segment, uh, which is, 
now that we've kind of gone through not quite half the year, but uh, through the bye week, it's time to kind of look at the season, what we've gone through and what we're going to face for the rest of the year. And do we adjust expectations? And that's our next segment. Uh, the Seahawks are three and two. Uh, they go on the road this next week to the Giants who beat the Denver Broncos uh, in Denver um, in, a, in a pretty decent game. But the Giants are still one and five on the season. Uh, they left the, the Broncos at three and two. So the Broncos did come into that game at three and one. Uh, they had a couple players emerge in that game uh, for the Giants. Um, they're, they're running back, Darkwa had 21 carries for 117 yards against a pretty decent Denver defense. I mean, they came into the uh, the game top-ranked defense in the NFL. and But Denver did turn the ball over in that game. And this is why I'm not exactly sure how much weight I need to put on this game as far as the Seahawks going into New York and beating uh, New York. Uh, Denver had a couple of interceptions. One was returned for a an interception. It was probably the difference in the game in that, in that game. And Jason Pierre Paul, who, uh, their, their defensive end had three sacks. And so there was a little bit of disruption there. So, uh, heading into that New York game, Keith, what do you think should, should our expectations be different now that New York's won a game against Denver and everyone's kind of painting them as, Oh, they're going to turn their season around. I just don't buy it yet. I think Seattle still goes into that and takes care of business. Yeah, I don't buy it. I think you have a, a situation where they're, you know, they're receiving, you know, the Giants receiving core had been decimated, so uh, they had to lean on their run. And Denver's defense is built around uh, stopping the pass and rushing, you know, rushing the passer with Von Miller and, you know, their cornerbacks and, and that kind of stuff. So they're they're a pass defense first. And so, the, and the Giants were able to come in and establish the run and do what mm-hmm. they needed to do that way. And I don't think that that's going to translate to uh, consistent wins for them. I also don't think that you can depend on that offense, especially with their the state of their receiving court to yep. continually put up um, stuff. And then you know Trevor Simeon got hurt yep. and he was playing was playing hurt and threw some really bad passes, including the pick six. And and I you know you're not going to get that those kind of plays from Russell Wilson. So I think that you're I, I still think the Seahawks are going to going to come go in to New York and win that game. Uh, and I don't expect it to be easy because the Seahawks don't make anything look easy, but I still expect them to win. They'll come out of that game at 4-2, and two, which is where both you and I had them pre- in the preseason, uh, saying they'd be 4-2 and two after that game. And that's right where we had them. Now, they haven't been as dominant of 4-2 and two as we expected, but they'll still be 4-2 and two and wins are wins. So... <laughs> Uh, I think they're. I think we're in a good a good spot overall, and especially if they can figure out a way to fix that offensive line by getting a Dwayne Brown or Brandon Albert in camp. Yeah, that that'll be. Uh, I think fixing the offensive line is going to be key for the the team to to go forward. If they don't do anything in stand pat, uh, the Seahawks could easily be nine and seven this year. Um, when you take a look at the rest of the schedule, now the rest of the schedule isn't that daunting, but given our struggles. Um, you know, we do have some challenging games coming up, including all the conference games, which are always tough. I mean, you can always discount the 49ers and the Rams again, and we haven't faced the Cardinals and they don't seem to be a a very good team this year, but those games are always tough, always schlogs. They give us, uh, they give, uh, the Seahawks everything they have because they want to beat Seahawks. And so does every other team, but, um, Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll see. How about, um, when you take a look at the rest of the NFL, Keith, and you take a look at some of the other teams that are underperforming, uh, particularly 
Dallas, and then you look at maybe Aaron Rodgers' injury over at Green Bay. Then you take a look at the resurgence of like the Eagles. Um, what do you have your expectations changed as far as uh, what other teams are doing and what the Seahawks should be doing? Well, I don't think you have to get to 12 and four if you want a first round buy, which is what I thought going in because I thought uh, either Dallas or Green Bay was going to be able to get there. And I, neither of those teams look like they're going. It looks like the only team that could get there would be the Eagles at five and And one right now. And the rest of their schedule is, is okay. I mean, just for a second, if I can, if I can, um, take a look at the at the rest of the schedule for the Eagles. Uh, they've got three consecutive home games against the Redskins, 49ers, and Broncos. I think those are winnable games that could put the the Eagles up at uh, eight and one. And then they're mm-hmm. at the Cowboys. Um, that's the toss up game right now. Um, and then they've got the Bears at home. They could have ten wins by the time they meet the Seahawks. Seahawks, uh, they're at the Seahawks, um, like week 12 or whatever it is, um, week 11. Um, so that's, that's going to be a key game in the NFC at that point. Um, even if we win that game, the Eagles could still be in the driver's seat to win the NFC overall and have first round by and home field advantage. Um, and then they're at the Rams, Giants, Raiders, Cowboys. Their schedule is not incredibly difficult. And the, but but then again, if you look at who they've played, so they beat the Redskins, they lost to the Chiefs twenty seven twenty, they beat the Giants twenty seven twenty four, right? They beat the Chargers twenty six twenty four, then they beat the Cardinals thirty four seventeen or thirty four seven, and then they beat the Panthers twenty eight twenty three. They've been in some close games, and games that close in the NFL, they could go either way. So True. I'm not sure about the Eagles yet. I got I got to see them another few weeks. If they win on their, their well, see, three next three home games, they're legit. But I don't see any other team besides them making this like run to twelve and four or you know thirteen and three, something like that. And so you, to me, it means like okay, get to eleven wins, and you have a chance. You probably won't get the one seed because I think the Eagles will have a shot at that, but. Yeah. You'll still get. You can still get the two seed, have a first round bye in the playoffs to get healthy and get prepped for your game, and have a home, you know, a home game to get to the NFC Championship game. And to me, that that changes the dynamic because I just don't see yeah. Green Bay or Dallas, which are two teams yeah. that we kind of expected to be there, making that run and doing. Yeah, that, well, so. and you got to feel good too because if you look at teams like uh, the Carson Wentz led Eagles and the Rams. Those are kind of the two teams that Seattle's looking at to kind of compete. You know, I mean, you mm-hmm. could take a look at Carolina. Uh, you could take a look at a couple other teams that are kind of middling, like the Seahawks are right now. Um, but we expect Seattle to play better in the uh, the remainder of the season, especially given the schedule. Um, so you think the Seahawks are, are looking at 11 wins. So you're adjusting. Your, your preseason prediction was 12 are you kind of thinking maybe 11 now? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's about where, you know, to me, the the performance, I mean, the defense has been good and there there's a lot to like. The team needs to adjust to the offensive line and the offensive line needs to improve. I mean, there's, there's different aspects to all of this, um, but I see progression and I can, I can see the team getting there. I mean, to me, they're an 11 win team. 
uh, I don't see them as this 12 or 13 win team yeah. like that we saw them in the preseason right. because of because the offensive line just hasn't been they just didn't improve they didn't develop and we lost Chris Carson and we lost Chris Carson you know I think oh, that yeah. made it made a big difference especially going down the stretch I think that'll make a huge difference I'm I'm with you uh, in some respects but I could also see the ball bouncing the wrong way a few times and we could end up being nine and seven. I don't see us as a as an overall team being really too much better, any better than we were last year at ten wins. Um, so to me, ten wins, eleven wins, nine wins, it's all about right in the same bucket, uh, depending on how a couple of games go. And so for me, expectations have definitely come down. They're not sunk. I still think that we could catch fire and do some damage in the playoffs. Are we a Super Bowl winning team? Not on October 15th, but could we be December 15th or January 15th? Yeah, well, we could, given the landscape of the NFC. Well, and but think about the landscape of the entire NFL. I mean, people coming into the season expected New England to be world beaters, and they haven't been. Um, you look at... Uh, I mean, the best team in the AFC has been Kansas City. Do you think the Seahawks can't go uh, and, and beat Kansas City if they make it? If both those two teams make it to the Super Bowl, I, I think they can. Yeah. I mean, Alex Smith is playing, having hit the best year of his career, but he's still Alex Smith. He's still a beatable quarterback, especially given yeah. Seattle's defensive talent. So I, I just don't see yeah. this as a unstoppable situation. Um, for you know Seattle, give even given their struggles, I think that they're they're in it. They're doing what they need to do and have a chance to yeah. really move forward and be a good team and you know make some noise. Well, and everyone seems to be pointing to the Rams, the Rams, the Rams, the Rams. They're four and two. Blah 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 blah. Um, you got to take a look at what they've faced so far. Okay, they they've beat the Colts forty six to nine, very similar to the score that we had against them, but they lost to the Redskins twenty seven to twenty. They beat the 49ers 41 to 39 in a very close game, closer than uh, that game should be. Um, they they beat the Cowboys, probably their definitely their best win of the season, 35-30 on the road. They lost to Seattle. Um, Seattle probably could have beat them uh, with a few more points on the board, I think. Um, and they and they beat the Jaguars, um, which was a good win for them, 27-17, but. If you took a look at the rest of their schedule, I still think they, they could have five or more losses uh, the remaining on their schedule. They're, they've, they're against the Texans at home. They're at the Vikings, at the Saints, at the Eagles, at the Seahawks, at the Titans. They could lose any one of those games. Or all of them. Or all of them, yeah. I mean, Jeff Fisher's not coaching, so they'll probably win at least a couple of them. But, <laughs> right. um, so, I, so what I'm saying is I think the Rams are an 8-8 eight and 9-7 eight and nine and seven team. Yeah, I I didn't see any. I haven't seen anything from them that suggests that they're going to go. You know, ten and six, eleven right. and five. They're 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 definitely improved. They have significantly better coaching, uh, and that's the one thing that really matters. But their linebackers aren't good. Their defensive backs aren't good. So that defense is going to continue to give up points, no matter how good the off or their d- defensive line plays. Right. And and my bigger point is. There's nobody out there that really scares me at this point. Uh, you know, yeah. even at the Eagles at five and one, <clears throat> they're they're still not yet completely proven. And, and Carson Wentz is still a second season quarterback. 
Mm-hmm. So it, the rest of the season is going to be interesting. I mean, Seattle does need to catch fire. We just yes. can't keep plodding along and beating teams that we should be beating by you know, 10 to 17, 20 points by like three points or seven points. <coughs> yeah, because all you need is, is a ball to bounce the wrong way and that three-point win becomes a three-point loss. And you can't do that. You can't take losses against teams that you should beat. So something that we didn't have on the list. So uh, I'm going to ask you a couple questions uh, before we uh, w- wind down here. Uh, what's your uh, before the buy MVP on offense? Russell Wilson. No doubt. No doubt. I, without hesitation, this offense is nothing without him because the running game, even when Carson was healthy, the running game was stagnant. Um, I mean, Car- Carson made it better, but it still it still wasn't a, a great um, uh, running game by any means. And the offensive line was terrible. And the only reason we had a passing game was because of Wilson's ability to make one or two guys miss before throwing the ball. So yeah, absolutely. My, and my you know, MVP. and you know that answer proves the 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 point that we <clears throat> we will always have an opportunity to be competitive with Russell Wilson as quarterback and yep. the team can always build around him. So that's, it's good that we have Russell Wilson. I mean, I, and, and I think that we will probably have him for a very long time because he always puts you in a position to win. And those quarterbacks are not available very often. And mm-hmm. he's never missed a game. Yeah. Even with all the injuries that he had, especially last year, Played through it all. Yeah. Led the team. Did a good job. Yeah. And you look at all the injuries going through the league, the quarterback position, it's like, I'll take Russell Wilson. So yeah. how about on defense, Keith? MVP. Uh, Earl Thomas. Yeah, Earl, baby. Yeah. If you would have said anything else, I probably would have reached through the screen and grabbed your throat. <laughs> <laughs> how do you pick anybody else? I'm telling you, like, I don't think that fans outside of Seattle understand how good that guy is. He is playing free safety at a level that I'm not sure we've ever seen before I, at all, ever. I mean, he is just that good. I and mean, he's just playing lights. This is his best year as a pro. This is a guy that's won multiple all pro awards um, over his career. And this is his best year. Okay. It's only so far. It's crazy. Two more questions. If you were to get to revise your prediction and predict to me an outcome for this season for the Seahawks right now, what would it be? Including 11, how far they go. 11 and 5, I think the NFC title game and they lose to Philly. And last question based on that answer. Uh who's our number 1 draft pick? in the NFL. It doesn't have to be a player particularly, just position. Like who is the Seahawks? Yeah. Um, who, who do we draft based on what you've seen so far and the finish and what do we need? What do we need to complete this team? And who gets that coveted first round pick? What position? Defensive end. Yeah. I. That's an interesting pick from you. I would have absolutely guessed left tackle or some ta- some sort of tackle. <laughs> no, uh, it, because it's the Seahawks, and if Cliff Averill is done, or even if he's not done, he he's at the, he's got an expiring contract, so he'll be gone. Um, 
and you've got Bennett and Frank Clark, which both kind of play that um, that strong side uh, defensive end spot. They don't really have that speed demon weak side defensive end anymore, yep. and they're, they're they'll need someone to take yeah. Cliff Averill's spot. I was going to say uh, on one or one or two spots. I was going to say defensive end or I, um, one of those rush linebacker guys. Like uh, oh, there was Hassan Reddick or you know something like that that we kind of coveted in the draft this time and just missed on, just didn't get. Uh, mm-hmm. It seems like our team could use some speed around the edge, uh, or, or and or be able to play back a little bit uh, off the line. Um, it's we just don't have that right now. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it would necessarily be a KJ Wright replacement. You know what I mean? No, but more of a Bruce Irvin yeah, replacement. Yeah, it Why seems like the team's missing replaced. that guy. So that's just me. Yeah. So, yeah, and interesting. Notice we, bo- notice we both went defense and not offense. Yeah, I know. I just don't I don't trust this team to I'd, waste another yeah. pick on another offensive tackle Here, that likely will have heavy feet and not be able to pass block. I think it's so. easier. I think it's easier to draft high on defense than it is on offense. I think on offense it seems to be more hit and miss for some reason. You know, those and the skill positions are really hard, but mm-hmm. given our track record with offensive line picks and so forth, I'm just not sure. I mean, it, I think that we need to create some cap space this year and pursue some free agent offensive linemen that have proven that they can play in the NFL. I mean, to me, that's that seems to be what it's come to for me. You mean, you mean like Dwayne Brown? Yeah. You know, maybe not, (laughs) maybe, maybe not Dwayne Brown, but maybe uh, hopefully younger players that have tremendous upside that are on their second contract kind of players. Yeah, they got to do something. I mean, because you look at the Luke Jokel has been a guy that's played well. I mean, granted, he's he's going to miss this week because of his knee, but he should be back after that. And then Odeyabushi, you know, both guards, yeah. both free both free agent pickups. Yeah, they're going to be gone, and they're two of our most, you know, our, two of probably five of our most stable yeah, linemen right now on the worst not, NF, on the worst. Not only run blocking, but pass blocking line in the yeah. NFL. They're not, they're not, neither one is dominant, but they're both steady. And that's what the team does not have is steady. They've got Justin Britt and. Yeah. Um, I think they take Cliff Averill's uh, number and they, and they walk away from Jimmy Graham and they take that money and they spend it on the offensive line this year. I, 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 I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily want them to because I like Jimmy Graham. I want them to re up with Jimmy Graham. I like to have a strong defense, but this offensive line is is so bad that it's holding the team back, and I, and you have to solve it. And they're going to have to throw money at it. I just don't think that they can solve it in the draft. They've got to throw some experience at it. Yep, it, the experience I think was something that they learned. That as a team, uh, it's why they gave Luke Jokel the contact they had. They had to in order to get him in town, um, and you know just the fact that they went with Abushi, who technically did not. I mean, he didn't win the starting job over Glowinski, but he is still the starter now because that experience has proven to be vital and helpful. And so they they already paid uh, Justin Britt, so they're going to keep him. 
have that experience and they'll, they need to build around experienced players on the offensive line. If you're going to have rookies play, which yeah. you can, you got to have that rookie with four experienced guys, not have rookies at both tackles and yeah. stuff like they did last yeah, year. Yeah, I think, didn't work. you know, the, the, the philosophy is going to have to change just a little bit uh, for Pete Carroll because, um, because of Russell Wilson. I think uh, you've got a franchise quarterback. You've got potentially a great quarterback. I mean, just great. But the offensive line is holding him back a little bit. I think uh, given a, a nice, steady, say, top 15 offensive line, Russell Wilson just really excels. I mean, he's got extra time. Uh, I think that he could almost make any receiver look good with that with a little extra time. Um, and then we need to block better for a Chris Carson, give Chris Carson an opportunity to be a really, really nice back for the Seahawks. And so I think the focus is going to be rebuilding the offensive line again this year at the end of the year. It's just no matter how far we go. So for the, for the, how many straight the year? I, I know, I know. And someday I hope they do it right because I really like John Snyder and I really like Pete Carroll. But if they if they punt this thing down the road another year after this one, I'm not sure what what could happen, you know, because at some point you would think that Paul Allen would get involved and say, fix the damn line or, you know, your job's on the line or something. I don't know. No, they won't, I don't think that'll happen. But I think because what we're seeing this year is the team is learning. I mean, they learned... Uh, and they brought in experience, which is you know Jokel and Aboshe, and they're they're they are looking at solutions now with guys like Brandon Albert and um, Dwayne Brown and Cordy Glenn. But they're they've put themselves in a spot. A they put themselves in a spot where it's now going to start to hurt them financially, not only today but in the future, and it's going to cost them players and, and draft picks and all that kind of stuff. No, it's going to cost players and draft picks in the future and so forth, but it's easier to control when it's done in the off season than it is during the season when you're right in the middle of it. So any hoodaloo enough of that. Yeah. It's, it's still an awesome team. So on the positive side, Keith, we're three and two looks like we're going to be four and two after that. The schedule is just, you know, it's really pretty decent for the Seahawks as schedules go. And, uh, it seems like our really tough games are at home and, um, that's, that's a good setup. I, I yep. fully expect them to have at least 11 wins. I mean, and if they have less than 11, I'll be disappointed. Yeah, the, game, the the season breaks well for Seattle at this point because of the way the schedule's worked out. I, you know, it would have been nice to have Green Bay yes. play God, no on the schedule so they could have played them without Aaron or, Rodgers. Or play Dallas this week instead of in three or four weeks. Yeah, right. so I mean, it, it's... <laughs> It, it that's those are the kinds of things that happen but if overall like there's there's some definite winnable games still they still play two against Arizona they still have one each against San Francisco and LA and you know I mean you look at at you think of three and one in those four games now especially if they're sitting at four and two then now you're looking at you know that's seven and three right there you only need like two more wins to make the playoffs three more to get a home game uh, maybe four more to get a first round buy in a week off. So it, you just kind of look at that. You just got to find where do those wins come from. And I, I just don't see a lot of games here that they don't 
there aren't games where they aren't yeah. going to have a chance. Well, they're right. No, we're f- we no, got to be favored in almost every game we're in, just yeah. by the virtue of of who we are and how we win games. And mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, I just I would look for our position groups that have been struggling to improve, um, including the offensive line. Mm-hmm. And then um, you know, I the team is going to have to kick it into a, another gear f- for us to do anything in the playoffs. We just are, the, you know, a good playoff team. Good solid team um, would take care of the Seahawks if the playoffs were happening right now. But we've got some time, uh, 10 weeks, to go in and take care of business and get the team right. And I think we will. And I think it starts this week on the road in New York. So anything else, Keith? You got any questions this week? You got any other thoughts? No, we're the show is running a little long. So let's just go ahead and move on and. Talk next week, and after what we are hopefully talking about is a, a big win. Absolutely, in New York. yeah. Enjoy the week. It's uh, it's the bye week's over. We're back into it. Um, so let's go have a, a great week, good weekend, get a win, come back, have a great show, and uh, look forward to it next time. So we're gonna sign off. It's the uh. Hawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alpstead. I am at NWC Hawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. The show is at Hawks Playbook. All of that on Twitter. You can find us on Blog Talk Radio and iTunes and subscribe and all that good stuff. So until next time, Keith, it was a good show. Thanks for uh, thanks for all the input. Had fun. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hey, Hawks fans. Thanks for listening to the Hawks Playbook Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or Blog Talk Radio and listen to all of our shows on hawksplaybook.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at Hawks Playbook. Bill is at NWC Hawk and Keith is at Myers NFL.